Welcome to the Vanessa G. Fitcast. If you think eating less is the answer to getting lean, or that you have to choose between having donuts and wine or having a body you love, well then, girl, you are in the right place. Chances are you've fallen victim to diet culture's terrible advice on how to eat and exercise. But don't worry, this podcast is going to bring you actionable information so you can start transforming your body without giving up your life. I'm Vanessa Gillette, founder and head coach of Vanessa G Fitness and Nutrition. This podcast was born from my passion for helping all women create bodies they feel confident in. Thank you for tuning in and trusting me to support and guide you. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Vanessa G Fitcast. I'm Vanessa Gillette, and as always, here with me is... Omar Pozos. Hey, guys. All right, Omar. We're going to be talking about a topic that is probably near and dear to your heart today. That's food cravings and how to overcome them. Oh, man. You know me so well. Yeah, this is right up my aisle for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, really the real reason, though, that we're talking about this is because, I mean, so many women come to me with the same questions over and over again. It's like, Vanessa, why do I still get these food cravings? Like, how do I stop just giving in to all my food cravings? Or do I need to cut out all my favorite foods to get through this? Do any of those questions sound familiar to you, Omar? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know me, I'll go out or I'll go in and work out and come back and I'm like, I want something sweet. I want something salty. <laughs> and, you know, after I have my lunch, I, I always go and try and look for some chocolate or something like that for sure. Always got the snackies. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the truth. Everyone has cravings. Like for some people, it's more of like a, a physical sensation of just like eating that specific food that you crave. But for some people, maybe it's more of like a deeper emotional or nostalgic reason that you crave a food. But at the end of the day, for everybody, it's absolutely normal to have food cravings. What's the what's the food that you crave the most, Omar? Um, everything. Um, but no, <laughs> I would say chocolate. Chocolate does it for me. Like there's just something about like the rich, smooth and, and sugary flavor about it that I just sit back and I'm like, mmm, just this is just delicious. Yeah, no, I probably can answer that myself. I don't know why I asked you. I think the food that gets me the most, like the food that I have the most cravings for are chocolate chip cookies. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know like that, that about warm, me. Like warm, gooey, baked chocolate oh, chip cookies? Stop. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. Every time I pass the, the chocolate chip cookies at Publix, because, you know, I'm a Florida girl, grew up on Publix, and, man, those chocolate chip cookies, there's just something about them, and I feel like anytime I'm at Publix and I pass by there, like, they are just calling my name. Between that and the cookie cake, well, I guess it's the same thing, right? <laughs> yes. What would you go for? Yes. Both. Mm-hmm. Got it. All of the above. <laughs> but really, I mean, here, you know, back when I first moved to Atlanta, I would inevitably give in and just like, you know, if I was going to Publix, getting my groceries, I would pass by those boxes of cookies and they'd be whispering to me like, come here and come and get me. <laughs> and I would just inevitably give in and buy a whole box and, you know, probably eat them all just like one by one, mindless zombie sitting in in front of an episode of The Office or Friends, just eat the eat the cookies. And you know what? They were freaking delicious. 
But really, those cookies just really were serving another purpose at that time. So, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit before, but like around that time when I moved to Atlanta, like I felt really alone. I had just moved to Atlanta for a new job in advertising. You you know that if you listen to episode one and two of the FitCast. And really that job was super high stress. And on top of that, I didn't have any friends in Atlanta. I didn't know really anybody when I moved here. And that was like the first time in my life that I didn't have a close group of friends or family or anybody around me to lean on. And at the same time, I was the heaviest I'd ever been. And I was feeling really freaking insecure in my body. So when my life was just feeling really stressful and out of control, eating those cookies, those delicious, soft, amazing chocolate chip cookies, those became my only source of comfort. Yeah, no, I get that. And I feel it for sure. I mean, I think that happens to a lot of people and guys and girls. I mean, myself included. I'm like, you know what? I'm just bored. I'm tired. I'm alone. I'm, you know, stressed or whatever. I'm like, let me just stop by and get, you know, a slice of pizza or Mm -hmm. burger or this or that. But, you know, is it worth it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, back then it would be like on a Friday night, you would probably find me by myself in my room with a box of cookies or maybe, you know, I'd get the, the fresh cookie dough and go ahead and just like whip up a whole batch. And even like as I started to meet people and make some friends and kind of get invited to things, it was like a 50-50 chance that I would actually just make up an excuse, you know, why I couldn't go and hang out with them. Because really the reality was I just, I didn't want to now go through that stress of getting ready to go out, of like looking at myself in the mirror, you know, pulling out some clothes and just realizing like, oh my God, this is tight on me. Like I need something that's going to be both loose on my arms and loose around my belly and loose around my legs. And basically it's like, all right, well, this trash bag looks terrible, so I might as well not go out. And that level of stress, realizing that like getting ready to go out and have to socialize and be around people, that was a stressful situation for me. And that's when I would turn to the cookies. Luckily, though, I, I, you know, around that time, I did get into fitness. I got pretty passionate about working out. And that really just gave me like a new purpose, a new reason to not eat those cookies. Because now it wasn't so much like, oh, let me just live in the moment and just eat these cookies because they taste good and give me this source of comfort right now. It was also like, how do I want to feel tomorrow morning? Do I want to go work out? on Saturday morning. And if, if I did, I probably didn't want to, you know, smash a couple, a couple trays of Oreos. Um, so basically around that time, then that's when I decided, you know what, it's time to get serious about eating healthy. But to your point though, it really is so hard when you don't have any structure or you don't have anything to look forward to the afternoon or, or, or the next morning or something. You're like, you know what, I've got nothing to do. Mm -hmm. I'll sit back and eat, you know, six, 12, however many Oreos or cookies. I'm like, whatever, I've got nothing else to do the next day, right? Yeah. And so, you know, like I was saying, like I, you know, at that time I was trying to get a little bit healthier now. So of course, to me, it was like the same thing, the same patterns I had back in college of, oh, time to lose some weight. Guess that just means I'm going to eliminate all the bad foods. 
cookies are now off limits because, you know, those bad foods, the cookies were the reason I gained weight. So that meant I needed to have zero cookies in my life. I would just cut out all the cookies, cut out all the pizza and the burgers and the french fries and all of like these quote unquote bad foods. And honestly, like that worked for a little while. I would, you know, maybe do like 30 days of clean eating. Maybe I, I, you know, I did whole 30 a time or two and I would go for like probably 30 days or so just totally clean, cut out all of those foods. But guess what? Eventually the same craving started coming back again. They didn't go away. For me, it was a little different. It was, oh, you know, I'll just eat, you know, this today and I'll start tomorrow. And then tomorrow came and I was like, well, I'll start Friday. And then Friday (laughs) came, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll start you know, next month or next week, like mm-hmm. new year, new me kind of thing. And I just never started. So that was my problem. <laughs> no, I think that's a super common pattern for people. And like, the thing is, you know, I would, I would go for like those 30 days of clean eating and then I would start to get the cravings coming back again. And it's like the more I tried to ignore them, the stronger they got and the worse my relationship with food got. It honestly, I felt like a, drug addict trying to get clean. I mean, those cravings, those cravings for cookies and pizza and burgers and everything, like they made me learn a really important lesson that really I'm about to share with all the podcast listeners now. So listen up. Your food cravings are not the problem. You are the problem. I know that sounds harsh. Cut deep on this one. To overcome food cravings, you have to remove these restrictions that you are creating for yourself. Stop labeling food as good or bad. Just stop it. It's, you know, what you're doing there, you're creating these labels. You're creating a way of eating that is inherently unsustainable. And if the method that you are eating, the the method of the diet is unsustainable, then the results are unsustainable. If you have to eat 100% super healthy foods all the time, you're going to hit a wall. That's not realistic in this day and age. We live in 2021. Food is available all around us. We're hit with ads like this is a multi-billion dollar industry designed to attack our food cravings, to create these cravings. Our environment is designed to create cravings. So it's unrealistic to think that you're just going to rely on motivation and just eat 100% clean for the rest of your life. You literally took the words out of my mouth. That was the point I was just about to make. Like these fast food industries, these, you know, um, restaurants and and food chains and all this, they are what they are because you're right. It's a multi, multi multi-billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. that has ingrained itself into our society and has made it a point to be part of our lives every single day Mm -hmm. so that you can literally, like you said, be an addict on these things Mm -hmm. and just not survive without them or think that you can survive without them, basically. Oh, yeah. These companies, I mean, they're hiring these researchers and these psychologists and like the top and the top, the just the smartest people to figure out how to hack our brains to be able to just crave these foods all the time. Um, you know, there's a reason like if you go to 
You know, like we've been watching Friends lately. I finally got you hooked on it. I know. Finally. And I, I must say, it's a great show. <laughs> Thank you. Really I'm is. so glad we got that on recording. <laughs> uh, but anyway, you know, it's like there's a reason. It's like you watch them suddenly like get some pizza. Suddenly it's like, ooh, you know, pizza sounds really good all of a sudden. I wasn't craving that 10 minutes ago, but now I just, you know, see Rachel and Monica eating pizza and they're so skinny on the show and they're eating pizza. So obviously, you know, you can be skinny and eat pizza, right? Well, guess what? They're characters on a TV show. Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox are not downing a bunch of pizza in real life. I guarantee you. But the thing is, these, you know, like just look at all the branding within that show. It's all very intentional to get you to want those things and to subconsciously start craving those things. And it might not even hit you until like an hour or a day later. And suddenly you're like, hmm, you know what? Pizza sounds really good right now. I wonder why I'm suddenly craving that. Probably because you just watched a TV show where they had pizza eating it last night. So is there a world or can you live without all this junk food? No, you honestly, you cannot. Because if you tell yourself that you can't have those foods, you can't have junk food, you can't have pizza or cookies or ice cream or whatever it is that you want that you crave, that's going to be all you ever want. You're only going to crave it more, right? Mm -hmm. It's the forbidden fruit. And I see this happen with so many girls. Like you, these girls, they'll just spend all week eating the super strict clean diet. And then like Friday hits and suddenly you just lose all control. And guess what? Lather, rinse, repeat. It's a cycle. It's just the cycle that occurs from these restrictive diets. And it comes from labeling foods as good or bad. It's that dichotomous thinking of saying, you know, foods are either good or they're, or they're bad. It's one or the other. And what happens if you say, I am always going to eat good foods, then you start to think that I am good when I eat good foods. Now you quote unquote slip up, you have a cookie, maybe somebody brought some donuts to work and you're like, oh, it's Friday. I've been so good all week long. What's one donut going to hurt me? You know, in the moment you have it. You have that one donut and suddenly you're like, this donut is bad. I just ate the bad thing. I am bad now. And now it's like, well, if one donut is bad, then what's the difference between having one donut and six donuts? Yeah. Might as well just keep on going back to it. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but like even like when I have experienced this um, restriction all week long and Friday night comes around or or Friday afternoon comes around and I do have a donut or something quote unquote bad, Mm -hmm. like even like the temples on the side of my head, like they start like pulsating and I'm like, oh my God, like I feel alive now. (laughs) I'm like, I want more of this. And it's like, I mean, it really is like, like an addiction. Like it makes me feel so good. But then, you know, 30 minutes later, I'm like, three, four donuts after, I'm like, why the hell did I just do that Mm -hmm. to myself? I mean, it's tough. That's something that, you know, I work on with all of my clients and it's something that, you know, you've gotten so good at and we've talked a lot about because you used to be like that very all or nothing with your eating and you would be the perfect example of the, the guy who would have one donut and suddenly you're like, well, you know, I'll just start over again on Monday. When in reality, you know what, you could probably fit your donut into their diet, keep on going with your life and who cares if you went a little bit over on your calories or your macros or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, but you know what? That's a whole nother. Uh, yeah, let's move on to something else here. <laughs> really? Um, I just want to emphasize the point of like, if you use the good and bad labeling to label or describe the foods that you eat, this just ultimately, it's going to lead to you 
labeling yourself as being good or bad. And that just creates a really unhealthy relationship with food. So a really good example to kind of drive this one home, I always use this with my clients as well. Like, let's say, you know, you're out and about, you need to pick up breakfast and you're on the road and you pass by either a Smoothie King or a McDonald's. Which one would you think would be the healthier option to stop at? Number one, Omar. Smoothie King, for sure. Yeah. I mean, all the marketing around it, they tell you like, oh my gosh, of course, Smoothie King's the healthiest option. Well, let's really think about this in terms of, okay, let's go to Smoothie King and you're now deciding, okay, I'm either going to go to Smoothie King and I'm going to get this smoothie called the Wellness Smoothie. I mean, just in the name, doesn't it sound like, God, this is the fountain of health. <laughs> give me, yeah, give me one every morning. And you know, it's like the, the labeling, the marketing, the advertising around this smoothie. It's like they've got, you know, blueberries and spinach and like these fruits and vegetables all around it, making it just look so healthy. And you're like, oh, that is the healthy option. You know what? I really want McDonald's. You know, I have my idea on like, I am really, really craving that bacon, egg and cheese bagel sandwich. Like, oh, that cheesy deliciousness with that Mm. warm bagel and the (laughs) bacon on it. And you're like, oh, I really want that. But I I need to be good. I'm going to get the smoothie. So you decide, you know what? Screw it. I am a, you know, I I have so much self-control. I am not going to McDonald's and getting the bacon, egg, and cheese bagel sandwich that I want. I am going to Smoothie King and just getting a nice little small 20-ounce wellness daily warrior, whatever it is they call it, smoothie. Well, guess what, guys? I literally have these nutrition facts pulled up here so I can get it right. The wellness smoothie, the they call it the daily warrior smoothie. It's a small 20 ounce little thing. You, Omar, I know you, you would literally chug that thing in two seconds. It'd be gone. <laughs> well, guess what? It's 680 calories, 32 grams of fat, 98 grams of carbs, Good and Lord, only that's 16 carbs. grams of protein. So it's very high in fats and carbs and low in protein. And you know, 680 calories, That's that could be a meal, but that for a smoothie, that would not be a very filling way to get your 680 calories. Now, let's compare that to that exact breakfast sandwich I was talking about, the McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese bagel sandwich. Guess what? 550 calories, 25 grams of fat, 54 grams of carbs, and 26 grams of protein. So what are you saying here? I'm saying that the bacon, egg, and cheese bagel sandwich, if that's what you're craving, then guess what? That's the lower calorie option. It's lower in fats, lower in carbs, and higher in protein. It's probably going to be literally more satiating due to its macronutrient composition. Um, And if it's what you're craving, then it's going to be emotionally more satisfying as long as you have the right kind of relationship with food where you're not now saying, I ate the bad thing and now I am bad. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, And to your point too, I mean, unfortunately, I think this is the problem with all of America and our problem with obesity that we have is, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for somebody like for you to be able to pull up these facts and, you know, you say that to average Joe Schmo on the street, guarantee you eight, nine out of 10 people would be like, yeah, the smoothie is the healthier option. Mm -hmm. And that's why learning just to track your macros for a period of time is so valuable because you can learn and understand these things. And don't get me wrong. 
a smoothie is, it's great to enjoy it. If that's what you truly would prefer, the smoothie is a great option. It's filled with probably a little bit more micronutrients. You know, usually they have a little better ingredients. Really, it's like a, a healthy option in that regard. But if your goal is to lose weight, it's not automatically the best choice to have the smoothie. And like in this case, the example of the the Smoothie King smoothie versus the McDonald's bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich, the smoothie has more calories, more fat, more carbs, less protein than the breakfast sandwich from McDonald's. So, so many people would assume that this McDonald's breakfast is the bad choice because it's fast food and it's McDonald's, right? But if you actually compare them for what they are, it's not necessarily a bad choice at all. But again, you know, if you if you hate McDonald's or you just don't like breakfast sandwiches in general, then clearly you'd want to choose the smoothie. And that's the whole point here. You can and should choose whichever foods you want. Personally, I'd much rather have the breakfast sandwich. Like not only is it going to fill me up a lot more than a little 20 ounce smoothie that I would sip down in two seconds, but I'm just going to enjoy it a lot more. That's just my preference for breakfast. Yeah. And I think, again, um, just to kind of put into layman's terms, it's just you're, choose, you're choosing whatever fits your goals and lifestyle best. Um, but you can't assume that you can't eat the fast food because it's bad for you. Exactly. Like the point is just because something sounds like a better choice, it doesn't mean it always is for you. It just comes down to what your goals are. So like, if you're trying to gain weight, if you're in a bulk, then the smoothie's a better option because it's going to have a lot more calories and it's going to be less filling. Like honestly, you know, the medium size of actually of that exact smoothie because I literally, that was the small that I was describing the nutrition macros for. And honestly, most people probably don't even order the small. They're getting the medium or the no, large. No, you got to go big or go home, baby. Yeah. And like, guess what? That medium size of that exact smoothie has a thousand and fifty calories, but gosh, I mean, I I don't even want to go down that hole. So really the point here is dieting or just nutrition in general, it shouldn't be this list of foods to fear and avoid. If you go to work with a coach or go to do like a program and they give you like a list of foods you can't eat, that is a red flag because I guarantee you there are no good or bad foods. What matters is just looking at a food choice in like that greater context of your whole diet. And I think that's what's so important about like what you said, do go out and do go maybe find, maybe not necessarily a coach, but go do your own research and Mm -hmm. figure out what it is that you're putting into your body and what all these foods are made up out of um, so that you can be, you know, knowledgeable. I mean, it's like going to make an investment, right? Like if you're going to go invest $10,000, you're not going to just close your eyes and click whatever button on whatever stock, if that's what you're investing or Bitcoin or whatever it is you're into. I mean, you got to do your due diligence and your research before. I mean, you only have one body, so you better take good care of it. Oh, exactly. But really it's just like anything, you know, even the foods that you might consider to be like treat foods, they can honestly be incorporated into a diet. Like you and I both we eat the things we like, we want to eat. Like we have a tray of Oreos literally in the cabinet right behind you because that's what's been my, my go-to this week. It's all about that 80, 20 rule. As long as 80 to 90% of my diet is still nutrient dense, whole foods, like, you know, fruits, vegetables, lean meats, nuts, and seeds, things that basically either grow on or have roamed the earth. 
those are what we would consider nutrient-dense whole foods. They don't have a lot of processing. That should make up 80% of your diet. And if you look at my diet, it does. It makes up 80 to 90% of my diet. You know what the crazy thing is? Um, like I've been, with your help, been cutting and trying to, you know, get in good shape for summer or whatever. Um, but even on, what was it, Thursday afternoon, like as I was leaving my office, there were two pieces of Dove chocolate and it was like 5.30 in the afternoon. I had had such a crazy, stressful day. And I was like, oh, should I go for it? Should I not go for it? So, I, you know, I did what, you know, you've kind of shown me. I'm like, all right, let's pull up the my fitness pal. Can I sneak it into my day's worth of calories? And, you know, I could do it. So I was like, you know what? What the heck? I'm going to splurge and, and have two pieces of Dove chocolate. And then I came home, enjoyed them, and you know, it, it helped me in the moment. And then I was like, all right, let's go and, you know, get a quick workout. But, you know, I got a little bit of both and mm-hmm. I felt great. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the big thing to drive home here. If you, whoever's listening to this, if you struggle with food cravings, take a look at how restrictive you're being with your diet. And let's go ahead, intentionally start including more treat foods, these things that you're craving. Start having them in moderation throughout the week. You know, a lot of people wait until the weekend to have the things that they crave and then they like build it up to be this big like event where then suddenly it's like they can't just have one little serving of it because they've been looking forward to it all week. So they need to have a giant serving. Whereas like you and I, I think we do a great job of balancing like the things that we want to have. We have them throughout the week too. We enjoy everything we want to have, you know, in moderation no more than 20% of our diet on normally on a given day, you know, obviously some days it's going to be a little bit higher and that's life. That's about being more relaxed. Um, but I, I do want to address the point here. I think some people might be a little bit skeptical of this concept. They might be thinking like, I have been told my whole life that I can't eat these foods. So I'm a little scared to just start doing it. Like what's going to happen? What if I gain weight? Let me remind you, like we talked about this, you know, early, uh, maybe like episode three, I think. Um, Really, the only way that you will gain weight is if you consistently consume more calories than you need. Not eating sugar, not eating carbs, like not, you know, dairy or donuts, like none of that is just going to magically make you gain weight. It's only if you eat too many calories for too long. That's why you gain weight. And notice that I didn't say that like simply overeating is going to cause fat gain. And that's because it won't. That one night of eating a couple slices of extra pizza, it's not going to hurt you. You just need to stay in a calorie surplus consistently over time to gain weight. So like if you look at your diet over the course of seven days, maybe one day you went a little bit into a calorie surplus, you ate a little bit more than you you intended to, and that's okay, because guess what? Probably throughout the rest of the week, if you are tracking your macros, tracking your calories, you're going to be more intentional about bringing your calories down a little bit. And then over the course of those seven days, your average is going to still put you into a deficit. Does that make sense, Omar? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it does. You're, you're the one who's in charge of making sure that I keep things uh, not <laughs> to the too level sciencey. of a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, honestly, I've seen way too many girls avoid eating a banana out of fear that it's going to make you gain weight because there's too much sugar or too much carbs in it. And that just makes me sad because bananas are delicious. But again, like I said, I mean, and I've gone through it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I'm like, you know, is there anybody out there that 
does know what the heck they're talking about because you know everybody is either one way or the other and mm-hmm. it's like well and there's so much information out there i'm like well who do i listen to who mm-hmm. do i follow it's overwhelming. Um, it really is and that's what makes it so difficult so um not to toot your horn here but <laughs> you are i mean you really are a great source of like a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff and you know it, it has helped me a ton oh thanks babe <laughs> Well, really, like, again, if you, you know, if you're somebody who maybe you're like, oh, well, this is great. I can eat whatever I want now, right? I just got permission to eat all the foods. Just remember, like, if you go now and you, like, eat your weight in cheese every day, like, you're going to gain some body fat. But it's not because that cheese was inherently fattening. It's because the cheese is really calorie dense. So you're going to probably feel like you're eating less food, but you're going to consume more calories if you're not tracking them. And that's going to cause you to gain weight. It's just, it's that simple. But really, like, honestly, you can lose weight eating only Twinkies if your calories are kept in check. There was literally a study done. I was going to say, there is a study about Mm -hmm. that, isn't there? There's the Twinkie diet. And it's literally like they put them on just Twinkies, um, but put them into a calorie deficit. And these people lost weight. And similar diet or similar like experiments, studies um, have been done, not necessarily official like in a lab, but a lot of um, different researchers to kind of drive these points have done studies where, you know, maybe they prepped for like a bodybuilding competition while eating like a Big Mac every single day. And it really just is like, hey, if I fit it into my calories and I'm in a calorie deficit, I'm going to lose weight. So there's a lot of examples out there to really drive this point home. Um, really here though, I just, (laughs) I have to keep emphasizing this. Just, there's no reason to fear food. You guys, nothing is going to magically cause you to gain weight. And I, I wouldn't lie to you. There's no reason for me to do that. I promise you, if you need some more facts, studies, research, please DM me and I will send you all the research behind this stuff. But you know, if this is all a totally new concept to you, I really want to also leave you with like some new ways to really Think of your food choices so that you can stop using these labels of good versus bad. So instead of saying, I ate really bad or I ate a bad food, let's try using words like whole foods versus soul foods. So like your whole foods would be like the things that are nourishing your body with these wholesome nutrients or your soul foods would be things that are nourishing your soul with like that emotional value that makes you just feel good. Maybe on Thanksgiving, you just like live for your mom's stuffing. So you're definitely going to want to make sure that you have some of that because it makes you feel good mentally, but you're going to probably hopefully balance it out with a lot of good, you know, fresh cooked white turkey and green beans or whatever it is that they're serving you on Thanksgiving because you want to get some whole foods in there too. Some other ways that you could think about labeling your foods might be nutrient dense foods versus treat foods. That's an easy one that I use with a lot of clients where If they say, oh, I ate something bad, I'll say, no, you just ate treat foods. You know, that probably was really tasty. I hope you enjoyed it. I like treats too. And again, it really just comes down to that concept of like, does this food provide you with nutrients or is it like a special occasion food? Is it a treat? If you can kind of categorize it in that way, that's a way to keep a very positive relationship with these things because your nutrient dense foods are positive because they're just filling your body with energizing wholesome nutrients and the treat foods are filling your body with amazing memories and experiences. Um, and then the final one here, it would, is very simple as well, just effective versus ineffective. So just ask yourself, are the food choices you're making going to be effective or 
ineffective for your goals. And that's where it really comes from like a goals first approach. If you know what your goal is, if you're trying to lose weight, that's your goal. If you're trying to gain weight, that's your goal. And now you can look at your foods and say, is this effective in moving me towards my goals? Yes or no. I like that one a lot. I'm very um, driven by, you know, pictures and, and, you know, characterizing things in in one way or another. So that one kind of hits home for me for sure. Yeah, perfect. And it really, it's like, you know, as you start to view your foods and your choices in this way, it does take practice. Like you're going to catch yourself saying like, oh, no, I can't have that because it's bad. And you're going to say that, that might be your first reaction. But now it's up to you to reframe it and say, oh, no, that's not the positive way to say that. Instead, I'm going to say, I'm choosing not to have that because it is ineffective towards my goal of fat loss right now. And if you do that, then it's going to easily start to um, help you just feel better and more confident in the choices you're making. And you're not going to be spending all of your mental energy thinking about like what you can't have and focusing on all the foods that you can't have, which then is going to drive you to have more cravings for them. Instead, you're going to be able to say like, oh, you know, I'm craving pizza. So you know what? I think pizza might be a, it's a treat food. It's probably not, it, it's more ineffective towards my goal of losing weight, but it is effective towards my goal of enjoying this weekend with my significant other. So as you weigh these things out, you can make that conscious decision to say, I'm going to eat pizza in moderation or, you know, maybe in, not in perfect moderation. Maybe it puts you into a little bit of a calorie surplus and that's okay. And you're going to feel good about that choice and you're going to move on with your life. I think the other thing that categorizing um, foods this way does is that it kind of takes the guilt out of it all, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. like if you say, oh, I just had a bad food. I mean, to me, I mean, you start beating up on yourself and you're like, God, why do I do this to myself? But if Mm -hmm. you, you know, name it as ineffective towards my goal, like, well, you know what? Maybe I did go one step backward today on my goal, but I'll make it up tomorrow. I'll, I'll, you know, figure it out tomorrow as opposed to being so hard on yourself that you were like, God, I suck at this. I'm so bad at this. I'm just going to quit. Yeah. I mean, it's exhausting getting into that mindset. And like, really, if you just shift your nutrition mentality to be more inclusive rather than exclusive, basically you're going to feel less restricted and you're going to feel more satisfied by the foods that you're eating. Um, So basically just like focus on saying yes to the high quality foods that really nourish your body and just keep you full and like support like your performance in the gym and then ask yourself like how do I want to feel after I eat these things if you always go back to that question you say how do I want to feel after I eat this that can help really just drive your decision so you're not falling victim to your cravings yeah or as I like to share I think I've said it before I, I always like to use the and then what mm-hmm. um, question to where like okay if I eat this then what what do I gain from it or how am I going to feel from that so that's my go-to it's a good one I had a client actually recently say that in a check-in that she used that so. oh somebody pays attention to me <laughs> I love it <laughs> All right, guys. Well, really just remember, like your food cravings do not control you. It really, every decision that you make about your food is your choice. So stop playing the victim card. Stop saying like, oh, I'm just being overcome by these cravings and embrace the fact that you have the control because the truth is you do. You are in control. It is 100% completely and totally normal to have food cravings. 
But instead of fighting them, just stay mindful of the triggers and plan for them. And to help you do that, you know, I actually, I put together a little recipe book of 10, I guess, healthier versions, you know, maybe lower calorie versions of the most common foods that we crave, or at least you and I crave, Omar, because these are the recipes that we turn to the most often. We have like pizza and burgers, cookies, ice cream, like all of that, you name it. And I was going to honestly keep this recipe book just private to my clients only, but you know, I, the podcast listeners have been so freaking awesome. Um, you know, they've been sharing about how they've been listening to it and like sending me DMS about it. And just, it's, makes me feel so good. So I want to give back a little bit and I'm going to offer it to the podcast listeners as well. So if you're listening to this, you made it this far, then the link to download the recipe book is in the description of this episode. So go ahead, jump in there, download it and promise me this. If you make any of the recipes, just go ahead, share it on your Instagram story and tag me so that I can jump in, see it, uh, say thank you and celebrate you. So and I'm telling you guys, these recipes are the freaking bomb. Like I made them um, and I literally sit on the couch with a bowl just full of ice cream and cookies. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just what I needed on a Friday <laughs> afternoon or Saturday afternoon, whatever. I'm telling you, they are delicious. It'll be well worth your time. Yeah. So go ahead, jump in there, download it and let me know what you think, guys. But thanks so much for listening and we will be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you learned something today, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review in iTunes. And if this particular episode resonated with you, do me a favor and take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag me at Vanessa G Fitness so I can show you some love. All right, my carb queens, talk to you in the next episode.